The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike and we're going to break down the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Before we get into the action, Mike, what's going on? Well, you know, I was looking forward to recording this with you last night, but then all of YouTube decided to lose its damn mind. So couldn't watch YouTube TV, couldn't watch YouTube, even Google and Gmail had some issues. So, um, you know, recording in broad daylight, but, you know, can't complain. And I don't know about you, Joel. I just I have felt a little lighter this week and I, I, I just don't know why, but uh, feeling good, feeling relaxed. Uh, you know, got, got my, uh, next gen consoles coming in tomorrow. So I'm pretty stoked about that. And the sooner I get my PS five, the sooner I can send you my PS four and we can play games from the PS four to the PS five. So gives us a new realm of games that you can join me in. So seems like we might have some dead by daylight or I don't even know destiny shit in our future. So. Oh, man, I haven't played Destiny in forever. <laughs> I think when, when Destiny 2 came out, you and I played that a lot. And then mm-hmm. we kind of stopped and never went back to it. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can make time for anything else. I mean, I am just playing Hades at every opportunity. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, I think it's I think it's my game of the year. I mean, it I, I don't I don't think anything else has really come close for me there have been other games that i've played that i've enjoyed but i mean it's just such a a well-crafted game and it's a genre that i really like it's like a a rogue light so you play you die you collect materials you use that to become stronger you go back out you die you know over and over again and most of those games for me kind of start to fall apart after you beat it the first time and there's always like harder difficulty go back play again uh but this one actually does a good job of having a story that compels you to keep playing after you've beaten the game so i've beaten it three times now and there's like so so much left that i have not even scratched the surface uh, and uh, it's it does a really amazing job of encouraging you to play in different ways. I think a lot of times with roguelites, like Dead Cells was a game that I really loved. And in Dead Cells, I would kind of figure out, okay, these are the weapons I like to use. These are the strategies I like to use. And so I would just try to gather those things. But Hades does a really good job of encouraging you to try different things and use different things because you get rewarded for doing so. So it's it's been a really fun and varied experience. Highly, highly recommend. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I've been on this weird kind of gaming freeze until until my new consoles come in because I just don't know what I'm going to want to play on each. You know, I kind of, this is such a first world thing. I bought the Xbox Series S to just kind of try it. <laughs> and if I don't like it, I'll just I'll just trade it in or 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 sell it. Um, so I just been kind of on a hold. I haven't really bought any new games recently. I think Dead by Daylight was the last game 
that I bought and it might have been actually part of PSN Game Pass. I don't even know if I paid for it. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a good, good few months of gaming in my future. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, how you doing overall, man? Good week so far. Yeah, you feel a little I, lighter, um, too. Uh, yeah, a little bit. You know, honestly, I had about 24 hours where I was over the moon and then kind of came crashing back to Earth. And it's like, OK, we got past this one giant hurdle, but everything is still fucked. So, <laughs> so it's like, turn around, yeah. like start the process, you know? And, and so that was, I think the higher you are, the, the farther you have to fall. So, you know, where usually the daily existential dread was just like a state of being falling back into the daily existential dread was a little bit tough. Uh, but I've, I've, I've kind of rebalanced and, uh, uh, I had uh, I had hurt my ankle last week and hadn't been able to run or work out or anything. And so that's finally back to the point where I've uh, I've lifted weights the past couple of days and, and had no problems. I'm going to try to go running tomorrow and test it out. So so we're getting getting back to a, a good place and uh, finding some balance for myself. But uh, but yeah, I, I would say generally, generally better than I was, you know, a week ago at this time. Yeah, yeah, and I, I know you're a big Jeopardy guy, so R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. Um, very, very sad, and I, I, I saw that he filmed their last like 35 episodes, so those are going to air. Yeah, the final and the final Tre- Trebek episode is going to air on Christmas Day, which Jesus Christ <laughs> feels right in a way. Um, so yeah, I haven't been watching. Um, just cause like it's been, it was off the air for a while at the start of the pandemic and then they got back to filming new episodes and I just never got back to watching it. I don't think I realized that they were back to filming new episodes, but I'm definitely going to start watching again, um, from, from now until Christmas. And then I don't know what's like, cause I feel like they need to cast a new host and do it fast. Cause like, yeah. you know, it's going to be a bummer if there's a gap where there are no episodes, but I also feel like you need to cast like the absolute right person to, to do that job. And, um, you know, well, they, they like, for example, uh, price is right. Did a pretty good transition to Drew Carey. Like I love Drew Carey as a host of price is right. And it just kind of works. So yeah, it was, it was really weird at first, but I think he grew into it. And, um, I, you know, someone who's had an underrated second half of their career, I feel like, everything he's done post whose line is it anyway has been like, not that whose line wasn't good. Whose line was great, but he wasn't particularly good on whose line. And then everything he's done since then has been like significantly better. So I, I think, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm definitely like curious, but I want it to happen sooner rather than later. And also recognize that, whoever is cast to be this initial replacement isn't necessarily going to be the person for the next, like, you know, 20, 20 years. 30 years. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's enough game show talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, let's, uh, let's ready to, ready to talk some dynamite. Let's do it. The dynamite that was. 
Dynamite kicked off with a promo from Team Taz to introduce a match between Brian Cage and Matt Seidel. Brian Cage got the win via the drill claw, and after the match, Ricky Starks took to the ring with a microphone to cut a promo and call out the new TNT champion, Darby Allen. After this segment, Cody took to the ring to cut a promo to talk about his future, what's next for Cody, and was in the middle of calling out MJF when he was interrupted by a debuting Jade Cargill, who cut a promo, a very awkward promo, <laughs> and uh, name-dropped one Shaq. Uh, and the commentary team wondered as to whether she was referring to Shaquille O'Neal or not. After this, Jade Cargill was interrupted by Brandy Rhodes, and the whole thing broke down into a kerfuffle involving Darby Allen, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, Will Hobbs. Just a mess. After this, we got an interview segment uh, between... Alex Marvez and John Moxley regarding Kenny Omega and the upcoming match. After this was the advertised bunkhouse brawl between the Butcher and the Blade and Dustin and QT, the Natural Nightmares. Dustin and QT getting the win in a brutal and bloody affair. After this was MJF's induction ceremony into the Inner Circle, where he and Wardlow were inducted into the ceremony and he revealed tickets to take the entire inner circle to Las Vegas. After this was an interview segment between Alex Marvez and the Young Bucks and a match between Sean Spears and Scorpio Sky. Sean Spears got the pinfall victory via a loaded glove shot to the head. After this, Kenny Omega no-showed an interview with Dasha backstage and was chased down by Alex Marvez as he was leaving the facility, where he then cut a promo on Moxley in the parking lot. After this was a match between Ty Conti and Red Velvet, Ty Conti getting the victory with Anna Jay at ringside in that match. And finally, the main event was introduced by a promo featuring Eddie Kingston, who was on commentary for the match between Penta and Phoenix. Penta getting the pinfall victory after brutally dropping his brother on his head three times. Once on the apron, once on the floor, once in the middle of the ring. After the match, Eddie Kingston got back on the mic and was interrupted by the return of the Bastard Pack. And that was the week of dynamite stock up stock down well let's start let's start with that main event first off what a freaking match between pentagon and phoenix side note that series is now tied 1-1 wouldn't mind seeing the rubber match between these two men but what stood out to me here was how personal the match was both brothers trying to rip off the masks of the other and as you hear every time someone mask gets fucked with on tv holy crap that's such a big deal in mexico and it's a big deal here joel what'd you think of the kind of edge here that we had between the uh the two the two lucha bros yeah it was kind of interesting i had i've been watching through uh lucha underground which is available for free on tubi and uh, I just watched an episode where Ray Phoenix got part of his mask ripped off by Mil Muertes. And, you know, it's, it's 
always put over by commentary just how big of a deal that is and how like in Mexico that can be a disqualification. And I I was surprised at how personal this match got. Uh, And I was even more surprised when Phoenix went right back at Penta and tried to rip his mask off because I thought the story was going to be that, you know, the animosity was coming more from Penta and Phoenix would kind of spin off into more of the, the baby face character that, that he's played so many times. Uh, but that wasn't the case. And this match just was a showcase in brutality and really, really impressive athletic wrestling. Um, like I mentioned in the rundown, the finish was a package pile driver <laughs> on the apron, followed by a package pile driver on the floor, followed by a package pile driver in the middle of the ring. And it just, you know, Phoenix just crumpled out of each one of those and was basically dead in the middle of the ring when the, you know, the bell rang. So, I mean, I was blown away by this match in in a number of different ways. Yeah, it really delivered. My favorite spot for the match was early on, <clears throat> excuse me, early on when Penta kind of locked in that submission from like a pile driver position and just kind of held Phoenix there while pulling down the knees it just yeah it was like looked... an inverted texas cloverleaf or you know thingy <laughs> yeah just really i can't imagine how much core strength and like upper leg strength you need to do something like that uh from both guys really yeah really really impressive i think and I, my favorite thing about these two is that you i always see something i've never seen before with penta and mostly phoenix but with penta too and you know, they always talk about, you know, in kayfabe, brothers know each other best. And these guys, for the second time in a month, have put on an incredible match in the on Dynamite. So um, really, really fascinating stuff. And then it kind of led into uh, the, the post-match segment where Mr. Eddie Kingston, Mr. Asshole himself, gets back on the mic. And Joel, we got the bastard back. The Death Triangle reunited, maybe? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> so, you know, they, they they set up that next week we're going to get a match between Pac and the Blade. And I think this is kind of setting up the possibility of a six-person tag match between Eddie Kingston with the Butcher and the Blade taking on Penta and Phoenix with Pac. And it'd be interesting to see if those three hold together or if... Penta ends up siding with Kingston in the end, who's, you know, allegedly his best friend. So just a really neat setup and a storyline that doesn't involve a title in any way, shape or form, but is going to be really compelling and is built on the emotion between these characters. So uh, I really like this and I like where it's going. So, you know, let's let's keep pushing. Let's keep pushing forward. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the the spicy dynamic is what happens with the Lucha Bros because of this. So I didn't really get the sense that it was going to be uh, Pac and the Lucha Bros versus those three. I I was thinking, okay, is, is it going to be Pac and Phoenix versus a combination of these guys? Because the way that Phoenix responded throughout the match, the way that uh, you know they kind of looked post match too, and the constant constant references from Eddie Kingston that Penta's his best friend. Um, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. And I, 
I love the fact that we're getting a a couple. Uh, looks like some high profile feuds without one of the main championships uh, on the line. So um, yeah, r- really really good snipe, uh, really good stuff, and kind of a banner night from uh, the uh, I guess Kingston's family in terms of in ring work. Do you have anything else before we move on to our next? Family related topic. Yeah. So we, we wanted to touch on the insane bunkhouse <laughs> brawl between Butcher and the Blade and Natural Nightmares. And this came out of nowhere. I did not expect it to be like that. Yeah. This is a storyline that kind of started on dark with uh, the Blade and the Bunny reuniting and this kind of storyline of the Bunny not just leaving. Uh, QT, but maxing out his credit cards on the way out the door. And uh, they've referenced her like taking his car. Like, I don't know what all's <laughs> going on there. But, you know, this match saw all four competitors bloodied and, and they were all wearing white. Uh, yep. At the beginning of the <laughs> match, you know, we were like, man, that's kind of weird that they're all wearing white. Like, you know, you had to know what the other people were going to wear to this match. Like maybe, you know, do something to make yourself look a little different. And then, you know, they all started bleeding all over the place and suddenly <laughs> they're not wearing white anymore. And uh, yeah, you know, we saw, we saw Allie get put through a table in this match. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was just so much violence. I mean, the very beginning of the match saw QT taking his belt off to, whip the blade with it. And then the blade takes the belt away and starts whipping QT. I mean, it just was violence and brutality. Dustin and the butcher wrestled all over the building. There was so much going on. Yeah. I, <laughs> it was, it, it, it was nuts. It, it was kind of, um, we, we've talked about before how sometimes they have these like hardcore matches and I'm still conditioned to think of like a WWE hardcore match, which is, not all that hardcore. So I, I need to constantly remind, my, remind myself when we get hardcore matches on Dynamite, they are by definition hardcore. And yeah, it it was like the um the hell in a cell between Kevin Ash and Triple H is bleeding. Uh, Triple H, where everyone was bleeding, including the ref, including Mr. Saka. Like there was blood everywhere. The white was a good choice because it just emphasized how much blood was was lost in this match and dustin needs to stop wearing his like bodysuit because he looks so goddamn intimidating and boots blue jeans and a t-shirt like holy shit like like we always talk street clothes make you look tougher dustin rhodes 100 percent falls under that uh that category here and of oh, keep going go I I agree completely. And I think the cowboy boots were a big part of that as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one thing that I'll say about his, his presentation was bro, you're wearing red cowboy boots with blue face paint. Like what's going on, man? Like go back to the classic black and red. It would have, you know, looked so much better. And then, you know, that fits with the, the blood theme as well. Cause good grief. Yeah, and uh, so spots from this match, I thought the bulldog off of the the stage through whatever that was was awesome. That's a lot of man, a lot of weight falling through that. I thought the bunny taking the table spot, always love it when uh, managers or valets can get involved in some way. And then uh, QT going flying, man. Off yeah, that, the, uh, that was my favorite ladder. spot of the match was uh, that big, big elbow drop. I thought it looked great. 
And I'm a big fan of a a good top rope elbow drop. It, you know, going back to growing up watching Shawn Michaels and, you know, I think Bailey does a really good elbow drop. You know, there's a lot of people who do it well and it just works for me. Joey Janela is another one that comes to mind. Uh, I just, I dig it. So I love that spot and I loved the combination powerbomb neck breaker onto the oh, chairs. Onto the... That, yeah. that looked really, really good. And uh, my favorite thing about that spot was the uh, pin breakup where Marshall rode through the ring and very seamlessly picked up the trash can lid and just swapped it. <laughs> yeah, that looked great. The that was it was really so, smooth. So smooth, so clean. And like, if he misses that, he's literally just going to like poke him in the head with his fingers. So like <laughs> he really needed to nail that transition. Um, and it, it came off great. And also just diamond cutter fiesta at the end of the match. QT does a really good cutter of <laughs> flying cutters all over the place. So yeah, man, this was fun. Like big spot for both, both teams here. Uh, and like, I like how they don't always finish feuds at the pay-per-view. We saw that with Sean Spears and, uh, Scorpio uh, sky tonight. And, you know, it kind of gives these pre and post pay-per-view dynamites, um, a little more oomph. And this was a pay-per-view quality match at the nine o'clock hour of dynamite. So, yeah, I mean, we talked about this on our on our recap show from this past weekend. But, you know, so often in the other wrestling company, we would get just a rehashing of the matches that took place at the pay-per-view on the the next show. And I like that AEW takes this opportunity when you know that people are tuning in to see where these stories are going. You know, you're going to have a bigger audience coming off of a pay-per-view. Let's have someone return. Let's have a new debuting character. Let's have some things teased. And let's have matches that have nothing to do with the matches that took place at the pay-per-view. And it gives the show a really fresh quality. This mm-hmm. felt like no filler at all whatsoever. Top to bottom, I think this is one of the best episodes of Dynamite to date. Yeah, it, it, it was. The, the pacing was great. Everything kind of seemed to line up in the right spots in terms of matches and segments. You know, I, 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 I disclosure, I watched it earlier today because of the YouTube issues and not once that I feel like, okay, I, you know, this is fine. Or I should check my phone for extended period of time. Like it kept me engaged through the entire two hours and in 2020 and, and any sorts of entertainment, that's, that's pretty goddamn impressive if you ask me. So. Well, something else that I thought was impressive from this episode, we got a new character, we got a new debut. And so we want to talk about this whole clusterfuck of a segment that started with a Cody Rhodes promo that made it seem like we were going to get Cody feuding with the inner circle and specifically MJF. And then all that was turned on its head when Jade Cargill came out and in her debut stepped up, took the spotlight, got on the mic, and, you know, cut a very big promo. Uh, I was impressed just at the poise that she demonstrated because that's a big spot to debut. You're out there with the face of the company. I don't care who has the titles. Cody Rhodes is the face of the company. And you're holding your own on the mic in delivering... A, a pretty nuanced promo. So, uh, and, and then of course we got 
a, a brand new look, uh, a brand new edge for Brandy Rhodes coming out to kind of promo back. And then this furthering of the Darby, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, Will Hobbs storyline. And going into next week, we're going to get a match involving some of those people. So, uh, Mike, what did you think of this segment? Man, there was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot to uh, to take in here. So let's let's go backwards a bit. So uh, starting with that, the, the team Taz attack post post segment. It really makes sense, man. Like Team Taz has been complaining about not being on cards, not being on shows, not getting opportunities despite being ranked. So who do you go after? You're not going after Tony Khan in this or an authority figure. You go after Cody, who in real life is making these decisions. So uh, I really like the addition of Cody to this uh, Team Taz, Will Hobbs, uh, Darby Allen story. Some like random alliances pop up here and there. I think it kind of adds some fresh blood to this and kind of helps keep this feud going. That you know, I'm not stale of uh, you know, I'm not bored of it yet. I don't think it's gotten stale, but it kind of adds some juice to to keep it going and. We're going to get Cody and Darby versus Brian Cage and uh, Ricky Starks next week, which should just be an absolutely killer tag team match. Hopefully the main event of the show. And uh, by the way, Darby coming out with the thumbtack jacket. I didn't even <laughs> and, mention that. And yeah, you know, <laughs> since so many of his moves already are just throwing himself bodily into his opponent. I thought it fit right into his offense. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel forced when he was, you know, chucking himself back first at people in order to stab them with thumbtacks, which was, you know, I, I said on our recap show, like we need to dial it back with the thumbtacks. Like this is getting <laughs> played out, but if you want to give me thumbtacks in a different way, I'm cool with that. So, you know, I, I liked this. I thought it was good. Uh, and this kind of reminded me of the match that we were supposed to get prior to all out, which was, you know, Lance Archer with team Taz taking on John Moxley, Will Hobbs and Darby Allen. And that match didn't happen because of Lance Archer's exposure to someone who had COVID. Um, But that all has kind of just been sitting on the back burner and, and simmering and they've done a good job of, maintaining the continuity with having Will Hobbs interrupt Team Taz and Team Taz continually say, hey, we're waiting for an answer, despite the fact that he's clearly demonstrated what his answer is going to be. So I like the direction that this is moving in. And we're finally getting this showdown between Darby and, you know, the the two members of Team Taz. Unfortunately, Will Hobbs not being in this match, that's a bummer to me. Uh, but there's not a third person on Team Taz right now who can right now that out. Um, but I'll, I'll be interested to see if Will Hobbs is at ringside or if he somehow gets involved. Uh, you know, and then we haven't even talked about Jade Cargill dropping Shaq as what Shaq? What Shaq is this, Joel? There, there, there's plenty of Shacks in the world, so I just want to make sure we're talking about the same Shaq. Well, I, I think it's got to be Shaq Thompson, right? You know, is it, is it for the Carolina Panthers <laughs> or is it Shake Shack, the wonderful burger restaurant in the Northeast? You know, uh, we, I have questions. 
it's it's long since been rumored that Shaquille O'Neal has wanted to have like a legit wrestling match. And there's a connection now because he works with TNT. Cody works with TNT. You know, I think the stars have kind of aligned for him to be a part of this. So like, I really hope that it is Shaquille O'Neal because he is a legitimate giant. He is an enormous human being. And like Cody has talked about taking on bigger wrestlers. Lance Archer would be dwarfed by Shaquille O'Neal. Seriously. Brody Lee would be dwarfed by Shaquille O'Neal. He is an enormous, enormous person. And it's just the possibility of, of seeing him in a pro wrestling ring, not as part of a Royal Rumble, not as part of a jokey spot, but actually wrestling a real match. That's exciting. It, it'd be funny if that's after all of the, all of WWE's like random Shaq appearances over the year that he makes his like actual in ring singles debut in, in the competing competing company. But um, you know what? Instead of Shaq though, can he like, can Cody fight Ernie Johnson? I think that would be <laughs> way more fun. <laughs> we just need to, we need to see, we need to see Cody do a bunch of competitions. He can, uh, he can try to, to, <laughs> Um, get a rebound off of Charles Barkley. He could try to beat Kenny the Jet Smith to the screen. They can race on the on the inside the NBA set, see if he can beat the Jet to the screen. And that's uh, what I'm saying, man. Like, there's so know, much more they can do with, with this. Ernie, though, like with who? I don't know what he could do with with Ernie Johnson. Like, what's oh? What's gonna... Put them on commentary and just do a commentary off. <laughs> it could work. It could work, but <laughs> and then you know you've got the you've got the expanded inside the NBA universe. I mean, you could pull in Chris Webber, you could pull in Draymond Green. Yeah, we can see who can whine more, him or Dwayne Wade. <laughs> okay. Shots fired. All right, piss off, uh, Dwayne. <laughs> I will. I will hear no Dwayne Wade slander on this podcast. You, you can take that and go home. Uh, but we should we should get back to actually talking about wrestling. Uh, I just, I, don't, I, I just think, think I, I just think Cody. <laughs> okay, keep going. Oh, I, I think man, this segment, this segment represents a lot of opportunity, uh, both for people that we know are in the company, and then for you know a surprise appearance by some legit star power. And and I know that there are a lot of pure wrestling fans out there who don't like this kind of thing, but you have to remember that it brings eyeballs to the product. And it's the kind of thing that you have to do if you want to build a legit, long-lasting institution that will provide us with AEW content for years and years to come. If we want this to be more than a short-term thing, especially with how volatile linear TV is as a marketplace, mm-hmm. you've got to do stuff like this to goose the numbers and you know, bring in new eyes to the product. Yeah. And I'll say one last thing on this. It, I hope it actually leads to something. I know things with Mike Tyson got complicated because of his apparent comeback to do a boxing match. But the fact that that whole Jericho Tyson thing just kind of teased us and didn't go anywhere, um, makes, you know, disappointed me. So I'm hoping that the Shaq Cody tease actually leads to something because i think it could be exactly what you're talking about i think it's a way that 
you can get some bigger eyes onto the company and good for TNT for kind of working that corporate synergy here. So, um, yeah, we'll see. All right, Joel, anything else on this segment? Did you want to talk about Brandy Rhodes promo real quick? Yeah, I think we saw we saw a lot of fire from from Brandy Rhodes in this segment. And uh, Brandy has been somewhat of a chameleon uh, throughout this this first year of Dynamite, you know, starting out with kind of a sinister take uh, as the head of the short lived Nightmare Collective. And then she kind of fell out of the spotlight for a while. And the next big, big thing that she did was you know, around her action figure and just being really arrogant and over the top. And then after things kind of broke off with her and Allie taking more of like a traditional babyface role and teaming up with Red Velvet. And, you know, this, we saw a, a different edge from Brandy from what we've seen before. And I think when you look at all of those things together, it kind of demonstrates her range as a performer in being able to seamlessly slide into these roles. Um, I'm a a major uh, Brandy Rhodes apologist. I know there are a lot of people out there who are not fans of her work. I've always found her really compelling on the mic. And I was glued to this segment. Uh, I thought it was really, really well done. And she seemed like someone who was very, very angry and just letting that anger out full bore. So um, I dug it. Yeah, it could have been a bit of an overreaction, but hey, whatever. I I think my thing with Brandy so far is we've seen her been able to, we've seen her and she can do a lot. It just seems like it's all start and go, start and go with her, you know. Uh, Nightmare Nightmare Collective, we were intrigued and it kind of faded. And then... We kind of got that weird Nightmare Sisters thing for a short while with kind of aggressive, heelish Brandy. It kind of went nowhere. So I would just like same thing with her since the beginning is just put her in a role that she can do consistently and build a story and build a character. And if it comes out to be that she's just going to be slamming people on behalf of Cody, cool. It's just let's find the role. Like let's find the role. She's such an asset and. It feels like it's been a little up and down with her in terms of how they're using her. But yeah, and it, I think there's an element that you know most of what she's doing for the company is not as an on-air talent, mm-hmm. and it, it's can be difficult to kind of parse that dividing line when what yeah. we're watching is the weekly television product. So obviously she's a huge asset. She's very versatile. She can move in a lot of different spaces and a lot of different ways. And, um, I, I just, I liked seeing this from her and in terms of it being an overreaction, I mean, think back to what Jade Cargill was saying in that promo. I mean, she was making, you know, jokes about Cody's penis. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's not exactly something that you take lightly. So uh, I can't blame her for, I, I think, I think she was righteous in her anger and uh, you know, coming out and, and saying, you know, this is my house. This is my show, you know, take your shit and get out. <laughs> I don't know if you can't take a dick joke, man, come on, come on. Like I'm kidding, kidding, of course, but yeah, no, I, I thought it was fun. I'm uh, excited to see where it goes and uh, anything that gets Brandy more, more airtime, more TV time um is great so yeah fun fun if not wild crazy segment 
I'd also want to throw out there that it's a it's a rare uh, instance where we got two segments that were kind of carried by women. Uh, this segment, and then of course the excellent match later on between Ty Conti and Red Velvet. So um, that hasn't been a common occurrence on Dynamite, especially recently. Uh, and so you know we've been complaining a lot about the lack of women's representation on Dynamite, and this felt like a step in the right direction. Definitely. All right. You ready for some lightning round, man? Let's do it. Lightning round. Okay. My first thing is AEW games, baby with ukes. Joel, it's going to be, we're going to party like it's day of reckoning in 2005. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I know you love, you love some of those N64 stylized, you know, wrestling games. And I don't know if you watched the trailer. Not even trailer, just some gameplay footage. But it had uh, Kenny Omega and like Akaro Shida going at it. It was awesome. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'll say I'm cautiously optimistic about this. Uh, I I don't know that I'm really interested in playing wrestling video games anymore, um, unless I'm going back to boot up like WCW versus NWO Revenge or mm-hmm. WrestleMania 2000. Like those classic N64 titles are my absolute favorite. Uh, but I did play a fair amount of Day of Reckoning. So, you know, there's an opportunity here. And uh, I like that they're not going with a super complicated, hyper-realistic... Uh, Simulation, yeah. Yeah, because it's just... I don't have the time to learn 15 button counter moves yeah you know oh there's 17 different mini games for how to get out of different submissions and like i don't want to deal with that like i just want to smash buttons so you know if it it gives me that opportunity um i I might be interested uh but it's it's i'll tell you one thing if it's not on switch i'm not getting it did you did you did you watch the announcement where they all were dressed up as like steve jobs (laughs) I saw some pictures, but but no, I did not watch it. They all like remove like Kenny kept trying to make an announcement, then someone would come out dressed up as Steve Jobs and interrupt him. It was it was really funny. Joel, what do you get what do you got for me in Lightning Round, man? Well, I gotta talk about my dude Brian Cage having a match. Uh I've spent a fair amount of time on this podcast talking about how you know, Team Taz has been around, but they've been underutilized. And that's kind of been part of their story that they've been telling on air. I thought this match with Matt Seidel was excellent. And uh, I also want to shout out Matt Seidel. He's had nothing but great matches since coming to AEW. And I look forward to him being a more featured player. And by featured player, I mean, not just taking L's, but actually, you know, winning matches on Dynamite. Uh, I think all of his wins have come on AEW Dark. So I loved this match and it's, you know, two veteran performers who have been doing it for a long time in the opening match on dynamite. It's a great way to kick it off. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I'll say the only thing about Matt Seidel is it can only go up from his debut. So I'm glad that it's been a upward trajectory and yeah, I've always, always liked his skill set. I always liked what he brought to the ring. He seems like a perfect, you know, in a few few weeks once this TNT title thing calms down to get a, a match or a little mini feud in with like a, a Darby Allen or something. I'd love to see those two go at it. So uh, my my next thing is 
It wasn't a pay-per-view, so Sean Spears got a win. And what a fun match with uh, uh, Scorpio Sky. Why do I keep forgetting Scorpio Sky's name tonight? That's like the third time I've had this, like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I really enjoyed this match. Uh, I love the the loaded glove. Um, I thought these two have good chemistry together. And since it wasn't on pay-per-view, my boy, my boy was able to get the win, so. Yeah, I mean, we got some Tully Blanchard doing Tully Blanchard things, which I'm always a fan of. And uh, I, I liked seeing Sean Spears get the big win. I, I also, at the same time, I hate seeing Scorpio Sky lose in a high-profile match. I mean, I felt like this was a no-win situation for me because I like both guys so much, and one of them had to take the L. Yep, for sure. What What's your next item in Lightning Round? I uh, got to talk about the women's match. Uh, Ty Conti and Red Velvet, I thought, had a really fun and athletic wrestling match. And uh, I like the advancement of the Brandy and Anna Jay storyline without it taking over. And, you know, the match was not subsumed by the outside of the ring drama. And I thought that was pretty artfully done. And you know, we've talked about the pace of a lot of the women's matches early on in AEW that it just seemed a step slow. And matches like this feel like we're getting back to that level where it should be. Uh, I felt the same way about the Allison K. Serena Deeb match at the pay-per-view. So, you know, I think good things to come if they uh, can keep these two around. I know Ty Conti has signed... Uh, Red Velvet, I don't think, has officially signed with AEW. Um, so hopefully we see that pretty soon because she seems pretty involved in this storyline. Yeah, it, it's it's encouraging. We'll, we're seeing not only, like you said, two segments tonight where women were the focus or a part of the, the segment, and, and then we're seeing uh, matches where they can show off, do what they want to do. Um, you know, I obviously we're still looking for stars. We're still trying to build up stars, but um, like one of the things I was pretty disappointed with is, you know, we haven't seen Anna J do more on dynamite since being involved in the dark order. I thought she would kind of be pushed to the, the upper echelon of that division. So to see her get some shine here um, is, is really fun and really great. So um, yeah, let's just keep it going and hopefully uh, we'll get some, get that rematch between Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa on dynamite here soon. That, that could uh, main event, I think uh, a dynamite if they really wanted to. So do you have anything else for, for lightning? I, I, I got one more thing. I love the MJF, not <laughs> MJF basically sending uh, Sammy the wrong information. <laughs> and I love that if, if this whole thing is a way to get Sammy to become a bigger star by leaving, the inner circle and, and maybe stepping on MJF on his way out, then uh, yeah, I think we're, I think we're in good shape here, but that, that eventual MJF Sammy confrontation is going to be great. And not sure what you can really do in Vegas right now. Cause I know that like the casinos are open. I don't know if any, like, I don't know what that segment's going to be next week of the boys in Vegas, but hopefully it's just like a hangover parody and, and we get some chuckles out of it. Uh, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they'll actually even go to Vegas or yeah. are they going to just shoot like on in the inside of a hotel room or something. And you know, There's pretend a casino like in, in Tampa, man. They can go to Tampa. 
Like <laughs> they can film shit by Jericho's house. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens for that. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, something that we, we have a bad habit of not talking about, which is the AEW title picture. Uh, I really enjoyed both uh, interviews with Mox and with Kenny and Mox talking about like, hey, I've beaten Kenny before. And and that's, you know, that's a big deal. But beating Kenny twice, like that's that's huge. So, you know, that whole angle from him and then Kenny coming back and saying, dude, you never beat me. That match doesn't count. It was a lights out match. It was unsanctioned. The record between us is zero to zero. And I really like this still kind of subtle heelishness from Kenny. And I I thought they were compelling perspectives from both characters. And Kenny's not wrong. Once again, we have a heel telling the truth. It's just the conclusion that he draws from that that you know makes him a heel. So so I like this and I'm excited for this match. I'm bummed that it's going to be on an episode of Dynamite and I'm hoping yep. that they, they do something to make it a commercial free block so that we don't have an interruption picture in picture um because you know some of the great matches in in pro wrestling in the other wrestling company have taken place on you know episodes of linear TV that's not the issue. I just don't want this match to be interrupted. And, you know, I really want to be able to immerse myself in it. Yeah. I don't want to be 25 minutes into this and then have to stop and see a Snickers commercial with like Roseanne, like, you know, no, that commercial doesn't run anymore, but you know what I mean? I just, I don't want to kind of lose focus, lose the, you know, kind of get taken out of the match because of commercials. So yeah, I really hope they like, cause I'm sure they could ask TNT, Hey, make the last 30 minutes commercial free. Let us get this match home. Um, two things from these promos tonight. One, I loved Moxie saying it It takes someone special to beat Omega twice. Because who has? Is it Okada? Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> like, like, I'm trying to think of people In who recent memory, say, you know? like Yeah, maybe not going back to his early days, but like since he's been the man, the guy in professional wrestling, I can't think of anyone. Um, and I like that Moxie took that stance. And also... Probably Toru Yano, Sh- actually. Toru Yano uh, probably has multiple wins over Ken. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Tamahiro Ishii. Okay. Okay, so a handful. But people we all consider, like, amazing wrestlers and, you know, amazing performers. So, um, And then, two, Shop AEW, I want that Kenny Omega hoodie. Why is that not online? That thing looked fresh. The white hoodie with, like, the Omega symbol with the, the KO in the middle and then the Omega symbol on the sleeve looked freaking slick get that online i want to buy it and that's it all right <laughs> joel do you got a random observation for me uh I, I do have a random observation joel's random observation of the week uh so this week saw us get justice for a much maligned member of the AEW team. And of course, I'm referring to Alex Marvez, who was pivotal to this episode of Dynamite. He was the one interviewing both John Moxley and Kenny Omega. And, and not only that, he interviewed the Bucks and he overcame his fears of getting kicked in the face once again in order to do so. And he even got an apology from the Bucks. So... 
I think it was an A plus night for Alex Marvez. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to see it, you know, a real underdog story coming around for the little guy. Yeah. Yeah. Poor guy, you know, but overcoming your fears, man, that's, that takes guts. That takes balls, testicular fortitude. So good for you, Marvez. A little confused on the bucks right now, but hell, whatever. We're in a big part of the show. We'll see them next week probably. And, Oh yeah, they're gonna face Top Flight next week, which should be fun. I've seen some clips of that. Top Flight's awesome. So, guys, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Other Wrestling Show, Twitter at OWS underscore Pod. You can find Joel at the Other Joel. You can find me at Michael underscore Aranda. You can follow us. uh, Fuck. You can email us at the Other Wrestling Show at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere you get your podcast. If you're a, a Android guy like me, pretty much all the podcasting apps have us. And rate and subscribe. Let us know what's up. Uh, we're having fun doing this for you guys, and we interact with some of you on a, on the Twitter. So, yeah, Joel, anything else before uh, I go get my Amazon packages? No, go for it, dude. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.